This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally. Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network, available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Hey, business storytellers, it's Christoph Trapp, your host and author of Content Performance Culture. How's everyone doing? Thanks for listening to another episode. Today, we want to talk about content experiences. And of course, that's something uh, you hear that term being thrown around, but what does it mean? Why should we care? Um, what's, What's content and what's content experience together? So, Today's expert on the topic that I invited on the show is Robert Weller. He is the author of Content Design, uh, used to work for Adobe, is still an Adobe brand ambassador and based in Mainz, Germany. Uh, Robert, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for the invitation, Christoph. Hi, everybody. And we met a few years ago. I think it was in Las Vegas. It feels like 10 years ago now. Ages ago. I think it was actually three years back, wasn't it? Two years? I, it could have been, but honestly, 2020 alone feels like it's 15 years um, <laughs> with everything going on. Yeah. So uh, content experiences, when when we hear that term, I mean, at, at its basic level, what, what are we talking about? What does it mean? Yeah, so I think everyone has has his or her own de- definition when they hear the term content, content experience and content experience design. Um, My take is that basically what we are trying to describe with this term is how people perceive the content that is put in front of them in an emotional way, an informative way, an entertaining way, you know, all the different aspects content can have um, and all the different aspects we as probably especially marketers are able to design specifically and basically focus them on on the goals we have and the intent our audience has. It, well, that's a that could be a big can of worms right there, right? The intent we have and what the audience has. How, <laughs> Absolutely, how <do> you, yeah. <laughs> how do you combine those two? How do we, uh, uh, you know, how, how do we build a good content experience that helps the company and also the consumer? Yeah. Uh, again, there are there are different use cases. So one of my favorite examples is actually Spotify. Um, they have like two different intentions um, they need to deliver to, right? So one is content discovery, i.e. Um, helping the user to, um, you know, listen to whatever they might be interested in. So this is providing different means of content discovery. And when you open up Spotify, when you have an account, then there is an algorithm that creates the dashboard for you. And the dashboard contains like the newest releases, trending, um, charts, um, uh, recommendations based on what you previously listened to. These are all, you know, ways for, for the user to discover content on a, in a, like a passive way. But then again, there's another use case and another user intent that Spotify has to uh, deliver to, and that is active search, right? So there is a search function as well within Spotify, and they have to make sure that whatever people type into that search bar 
um, the results are tailored to what they were actually looking for, right? So there are two two sides that that companies need to be aware of um, from from which uh, their audience can actually um, you know um, find their content. And compared to Spotify, I hope you get the point there. Um, mm-hmm. Another example is YouTube. When I when I open up YouTube, the basically the homepage and my my home feed is full of crap, right? Because YouTube doesn't know what my preferences are because I I view a lot of YouTube videos across the web. It's not that I open up my YouTube for a like a music playlist or to watch my favorite TV series like like Netflix. Um, I, I, I just watch a lot of YouTube videos that are embedded in blog articles. I read a lot. Uh, I, I watch a lot of videos from maybe, uh, conference speaks. Uh, I maybe looked up some of some how to video uh, guides for, for specific tools I use every day. So there's a lot of, um, content that I consume, um, on YouTube. So it's really hard for YouTube to actually make rele- uh, recommendations that are relevant to me. But again, there's the different uh, intent they have to um, deliver to, and that is a user search. And we're talking about Google, so they are really good at providing relevant um, search results. So whenever I type in my keywords into Google, the results are pretty good in the meantime because they have my history. They kind of have the keywords I give them, um, and they are actually able to come up with results that are relevant to me and um, from my perspective, YouTube is is constantly getting better in uh, making recommendations for what to watch next. Um, but then again, do I actually want to watch more than one video on YouTube? I'm, I mean, again, compared to Spotify, it's fairly obvious that I don't only want to listen to one song, but you know, keep on keep the, keep the music playing. But it might might not be the case in YouTube. And now transfer these two examples and the the concept to your website, right? Do people come to your website specifically looking for something because they know or hope that you might provide the content somewhere in your archive, right? Or do you provide the means for the people to see your content um, and thus be, you know, interested and engaged in reading it? Um, and I think these are two different strategies that companies must think about. And I think it was. Um, I think it was Jimmy Dali from animals.co who actually kind of framed this as, are you as a company, a publisher or a library, a librarian, right? So what is your content strategy? Do you actually just provide the content and give the user every means uh, he or she needs to find whatever they're looking for? Or are you actually the publisher um, and therefore, you know, just have a chronological uh, order of your publications um, and you just go by go by news, go by date, um, go by maybe topic or something. Um, there's there's two different strategies you can choose based on two different uh, intents from your audience. And this is, in my point of view, a a major essential aspect of how you design your content and how you kind of strategize within content marketing. So much to unpack, especially. So let's. I was going to ask you about measurement down the road, but. Uh, what's interesting is the Spotify example. So I, Spotify was my number one for a little while. And, right. when I li- and I listen to podcasts all day long, it's, right. especially when I'm not writing, you know, they're always running. And I went from Apple Podcasts, which is like mm-hmm. the, the grand old daddy, right, I guess. But mm-hmm. the content experience, let's call it that, is terrible. 
It yeah. sucks. It's horrible. It crashes. It takes forever to load, even on an iPhone. I don't know why it's so bad, honestly. Yeah. So then, right? Why? And so then I went from Apple Podcasts to Spotify. And I, I thought Spotify was slick, loved it, uh, listened to everything there. I also love, and I, I do have an article over on AuthenticStorytelling.net um, on how you can share podcasts from Spotify to Instagram stories with a right. link. So that's yes. probably a big differentiator for content people. Yeah. And then it didn't start updating, Robert. Then it started mm. not updating. I was like, well, that's annoying. Like the software, I, you mean? No, like the new episodes. Oh, know, right. Like okay. They, they didn't show up. And, and I, you know, I have like 120 subscriptions. I don't remember all the shows <laughs> yeah. until they come through. Right. And, um, and so then I moved to Google Podcast app, which is pretty slick as well. Right. So again, the, the way they can measure the content experiences, they just lost an active listener, right? Yeah. Um, because the, the experience and same with Apple. So I guess that's how people can measure whether or not their content experience is good or bad, right? If, if people don't pay attention and leave, it's probably not good. Yeah, absolutely. And I think in terms of, you know, it, it's a metrics game. So it's always important to to review your metrics uh, on a constant basis. I mean, not looking at the numbers, but looking at what you are actually measuring. So a lot of companies um, I've worked with in the past, they kind of look at numbers like um, impressions, like clicks, like conversions, and that all makes sense. But there are no real engagement metrics. And what I will kind of try to pack into, into like an, a set of experience metrics. Um, and that is exactly what you mentioned the time you listen to um actually this is i think something that uh, spotify measures as well so basically how high is the 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 rate that people actually listen to what they recommend um how long do they stay in a playlist for um how often do they return how often how often do they actually use spotify how often how long do they listen for per day um these are all metrics that you can that you can adapt to your own content let's talk about blogs um how long do people stay on your blog that by itself is not a like a valuable metric because you could just write a 5000 word article um and just you know get people stuck and they get distracted just distracted um do something else in the meantime but your analytics program is still counting the the, the minutes you know um so the question is what are further engagement metrics that actually deliver insights would it be internal clicks would it be scroll rating would it be kind of consumption uh, of further content you have on your website um, and this all leads to you know various methods of how we can actually create continuous content experiences and but i can already robert hear some executives scream at us and say but 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 everything needs to lead to dollars blah 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 and and certainly i'm not a opposed to making money at all um but it's it's a part of the process, right? I mean, if we have a crappy content experience or crappy experience in general, we're not going to make any money to begin with because people leave. I mean, would you disagree or agree with that? No, absolutely. I would I would agree, and I'm, I'm on the side of these ex executives because they have the money. But I think it's a question of how you can actually um, come up with the recommendations for your audience. Um, there, I have various examples in my mind. So for example, if you look at, um, hbr.org, you know, the website, Harvard business review, um, they kind of tend to pack several articles within one specific topic, like into one continuous reading experience and reading experience is kind of 
a, a, what we could call content experience in this context. So basically what they do is they provide the, the reader with one article. And as soon as they continue scrolling after they have basically finished reading the first article, they just provide seamlessly the second article and maybe a third article. And I think this is like the first small step towards creating um, specific content experiences on a website. Um, and I think you can take these concepts even further. And if you have the knowledge about your, your audience and what they are seeking, if you have, uh, if you, if you kind of have a clear view of what the, the customer journey looks like, then you can actually map out your content to each uh, stage within the customer journey and then provide like content consumption paths, right? You can bundle your content and you say, okay, we have a blog post here. We have a po podcast there. These are like attention grabbing uh, pieces of content. As soon as people have kind of consumed those, I think it might be, might be a good, good time and a good opportunity to move them forward in their customer journey and maybe help them uh, become solution aware, product aware. So I will um, provide them with a white paper. I will provide them with like a, anything that is product related it could be a product page could be like a testimonial a case study could be like a um i don't know comparison uh, between different tools maybe if we're talking about software um and then maybe there's there's even further content assets down the road um leading towards the the conversion and the actual deal maker right so companies are um able to bundle the content assets they have into predefined consumption paths and show these to the user. And then they can actually measure, you know, how many of these predefined content assets are actually consumed um, and why uh, and in what order. And that generates just so many insights for the companies that they can base their further content production on. And actually, when you're trying to do that, you even identify gaps within the content you have looking at the customer journey. Um, this is something I have, I have seen in the past um, that companies, you know, provide a lot of content that is um, focused on grabbing people's attention, um, talking about, you know, topic related stuff, problems, symptoms, but then not bridging the gap all the way to their products and services they offer. And then those people scream content marketing doesn't work. This all sucks. I'm not generating revenue. Uh, but if you just look at the, the whole customer journey, it's fairly clear because they don't provide content along all the different stages of the customer journey. And by creating specifically, specifically creating these content experience, um, you actually see what kind of content you need at what time, what stage. And you are in the meantime, technically able to provide the right content at the right time on your website. Mm -hmm. And certainly, I mean, I'm a big believer in content marketing does work when you do it well and when you keep pushing forward. I mean, it's not an overnight success right. for sure. Um, when you talked about publisher versus librarian, kind of kind of talk about that a little bit. I mean, what's what, what do you mean by that? How does that look in practice for uh, a content team? Uh, the two examples. Yeah, so I guess um... I have this matrix in mind that, that Jimmy Daly originally used um, concerning quality versus volume and breadth versus depth. So when you have this librarian approach, you are able to go really in-depth and provide high-quality content because you are not as dependent on publication frequency, right? Because people actively search for your content uh, and you have 
I mean, you are not dependent on how many people search for and when they search for it. The publication, on the other hand, um, kind of only survives when there are enough publications uh, within a certain time span, right? So look at all the, the big publishers like TechCrunch and Co, or the, the, um, the German companies like newspapers. Um, they have to publish frequently, high frequently, multiple times every day within different industries, within different topics um, from, from various authors. Um, and, and they live by just publishing um, high volume, but therefore don't have the, the depth in specific topics. So they just provide users with like what, what I will call impulses, right? Um, and try to capitalize on creating these impulses. The librarian, on the, on the other hand, they are kind of somewhere further down the road concerning the, the conversion funnel or the customer journey, uh, because people who are really interested into a topic and, and that are really looking for in-depth knowledge, um, they might be closer to actually making a buying decision, right? So our, um, this is, this is in, from my point of view, really connected to the business model you have. On the one hand, you may rely on uh, services and products you actually sell for the librarian. And the, the publication is maybe more about monetizing on impressions and, and reach. I, I love the concept. Not sure I necessarily like the term librarian, but, but the way I think about it is, um, so I am a content creator, but I don't want to be a publisher necessarily in your model because publishers just publish, 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 publish. And as you said, it's so interesting. Um, they might not go as deep. And I've actually capitalized on that because, you know, when every time there is a new social media feature coming out, the big yeah. newspapers, they cover it very high level, right? Yeah. They never they never go deep and they never say, here's how you do it. Here's when you get it. Here's blah, 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 all these things. So every once in a while, when it's a topic that I think my audience cares about, for example, Instagram Live, uh, when that came out, everybody yeah. talked about it. Nobody went deep. So yeah. I just went, I went totally deep on it. Yeah. I had like a m million impressions. Yeah. And um, so there, there is truth to that. Um, you know, on the other hand, I actually think that the only reason for content people to have frequency um, built in to an extent is because if you don't, you know what people do, they don't ever publish anything, right? So if you say, well, we got to publish once a week, we got to do whatever, that helps those people. But let me ask you this question. Yeah. When Mel Rott was on the show, and I, I know you call yourself journalistically uh, minded as well. He said, why don't marketers behave more like journalists? <laughs> Journal yeah. jur journalists don't make a schedule. Journalists go, hey, what's new today? And then they publish something. And of course, if you were to truly do that in marketing, now you're just the publisher and you don't go deep, right? But somewhere in the middle, I mean, you know, it, it does make sense to me to say, hey, we have something to say. Let's go deep on this topic. How do you feel about that kind of model? And do you think marketers could do that or, or, or how would that help their content experience or not? Yeah, again, I think this is really dependent on, on the business model because um, I understand what, what Mel meant. Um, with being more journalistic. Um, but then again, looking at why journalists work the way they do. I mean, I'm, I'm not educated as a journalist, so I'm, I'm going to be very careful how I'm going to phrase this, mm -hmm. but they are kind of being paid for writing articles that are published. 
Um, so when I, you know, just thinking, thinking about, um, the Adobe summit in Vegas, where we met, um, I saw a lot of journalists who just wrote, wrote, wrote and published, 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 published without really going deeper into what was actually said on stage and what consequences that could have in the long run for companies using Adobe products or companies, uh, that want to kind of extend their, their digital business. Um, they just kind of published the news, covered the news. Uh, and I think this is a very smart move um, by you, the, what you just said, capitalizing on the awareness these publications generate for a specific topic. And you are the one providing the in-depth knowledge and thus gaining the trust, um, maybe even creating opportunities to um, sell a service of yours. So if you have like Instagram live workshops or something, um, whether you, you're going to write a book in depth and you can just sell the books for a couple of bucks uh, because there is this huge amount of attention created by someone else. That makes total sense, but that would be your business model and it's not the business model from the, from the publications. You know what I mean? So I think it's not necessary for every content marketer to, to think more like a journalist um, because it's not their goal to monetize each and every article they have, but actually like, look at the, the the whole portfolio of content assets, including like blog articles, podcasts, white papers, landing pages, um, whatever there is, um, and try to use this portfolio to actually position their brand in the long run, position, um, like position their products, explain their products, sell their products. But this is nothing, as you said, that happens from overnight, basically. So, um, I don't think there is there is need for this journalistic approach for content marketers uh, in each and every case. Absolutely. And of course, nothing is ever absolute anyways. One, one takeaway, guys, if you didn't take anything else away from anything so far, which I would be highly surprised because it's been very interesting already, what, what Robert has shared is uh, content marketers don't try to monetize every single piece of content. It's the it's everything together right so that's so keep that in mind it's it's not just one campaign it's not just one article it's not just one ad it's the right. whole experience together and i think sometimes that's very easy to forget because yeah. it is it is easier to just measure one thing at a time right it's right. not uh, am i ex uh, providing a good experience versus is this one article performing um so very very interesting how about design and content so i mean i you know when you look at the website um, or whatever, anywhere, right? I mean, there is a certain level of, you have the written word, you have, uh, you have the design, you have how it all flows together. And some companies, that workflow is still very siloed, right? I mean, we, we wouldn't, yep. right? We wouldn't have lorem ipsum if it wasn't. Yeah. Um, and I always, I, I chuckle when somebody shows me a website and it has lower Mipsum and they, they say, what do you think of this? I'm like, I don't know, because what yeah. will it say? Right. <laughs> yeah, there? absolutely. Like, I'm so with you. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we agree, right? It, it together, we do, I guess. Yes, we are. I mean, this is, this was actually what annoyed me really and what made me write my first book. Um, and in terms of content, just to add, you know, what you just, um, rephrased as a takeaway for, for, for everyone listening. Content has different goals or can have different goals. Yes, of course, you can use content to monetize the content itself straight away. 
Um, but also you, you might want to create content that builds your brand. You might want to create content that just generates awareness. You might create content that kind of, um, attaches or, or increases brand loyalty, you know, after they have purchased for the first time and, and become a customer. So there are various goals that, that you can, that you can tackle through content. And depending on the goal, the, the content design can be completely different. And it's rarely possible that you can kind of achieve several different goals with one and the same content design approach. Yeah, it's just, I mean, one of the, the points I make in my book, Robert, content performance, that online is uh, writers, even if they're not the designers, they should be writing in the CMS. Add your own links, add some of your own calls to action. Do you know what I mean? So it's not so disconnected. And it just, uh, can they do everything? No. Do they have to work together? Yes. But certainly, um, you, you know, collaboration, I think, needs to be at a different level. Uh, yeah. for content marketing as a whole. Uh, what tips do you have on that um, uh, for how do teams collaborate better to create that experience? And uh, especially with COVID currently, I mean, you know, the number of meetings and the number of distractions has, <laughs> have really got, yeah. have gone down, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so we actually get work done. And um, uh, so what tips do you have? How can people collaborate better and uh, to create that better experience? Yeah, I Honestly, I would I would love to quote Randy Frisch, um, the the founder and CEO of Uberflip, um, who actually wrote a book uh, titled "Fuck Marketing." So this is basically my first adv advice: stop calling it content marketing, right? Because content has so many more use cases outside of marketing. You can use content for service. You can use content for sales, and this is exactly that what actually creates the silos within companies because content is created within each and you know, all the individual departments because marketing tried to fill their blog, um, content uh, uh, service tries to fill their FAQ uh, on the website, sales uh, reps try to kind of create pitch decks um, on those, this kind of stuff. But in the end, they're all creating content and all this content should be aligned not only to each other um, concerning what is actually said mm -hmm. and how it is visually designed, but it, it should also be aligned to the customer journey because marketing is maybe the first touch point. Then comes sales as like the second touch point. Then comes service, like maybe the third touch point. They should all be aligned to the customer journey. They all have the same goal, which is to generate the awareness, to create the customers, uh, to win the customers, and lastly, to, to retain the customers, right? So they all have the general interest, the higher interest of actually generating growth for the company they all work for. So I would try, and this is my, my number one tip, is try to um, take the, the marketing out of content marketing, right? And rather try calling it either content design, which is then um, a global um, tactic, or you just, you know, use the term content strategy because you need a content strategy that is based on the, the business strategy. You, you know, you need a content strategy that is aligned to the marketing strategy, but you also need a content strategy that is aligned to the sales strategy to, you know, how you try to, to win new clients. So I would try to kind of make sure that everyone within the company is aware that everyone in the company is responsible for creating the content and for using the content, for sharing the content um, and kind of providing the content to the customers within their respective um, area of work. 
Well, I am not exactly uh, ready yet to give up the term content marketing, but I get the point. And what's interesting too is that it kind of depends on what uh, what you're trying to accomplish. I'll give you an example. Um, I, of course, have my LinkedIn optimized, right? And there's an episode on how do you use LinkedIn to find a job? Yeah. And when I when I was doing that, you know, and, and it says content strategy and content marketing both in there, but content marketing is definitely a little bit more stronger. And um, there was a big job being posted and I had eight recruiters call me within minutes, right? right. Because I was showing up. Yeah. And, what's inter- and what's interesting, and I show the same job posted by another recruiter, so you can see how big of a job it was. And and they they had it listed at whatever it was, senior VP of content, where everybody else had it listed as senior yeah. VP of content marketing. Yeah. So it's it's interesting, you know, how how the take how the verbiage and the other thing that came to my mind when you said um, content design, I don't think of myself as a designer, but it's but but the problem is, I I do design in the in the graphic design sense as well here and there, not not very good depending who you ask but um good enough some days and you know i was doing something and i said well i'm not a designer and this person said well i am and i'm thinking oh she is and she is but she is an interior designer (laughs) so we have all these terms that mean 59 different things yeah yeah (laughs) it's it's quite a struggle yeah absolutely honestly it really depends on where content content marketing actually started within the the company because a lot of the times it started within the marketing department because like the cmo said hey let's start a blog um but in in some companies the service department is way bigger than than the marketing department and they actually kind of own content right so looking at how to guides how to use the software um answering uh frequently asked questions um creating like checklists and worksheets for clients to to make their life easier using a specific software or specific features so in in those kind of companies content has its origin within the service department and then again you may have like a business model where you heavily rely on on your sales reps to actually you know find the new clients and generate the revenue and they might be the ones who are at the forefront of content creation so I think it's also a, a question of heritage and how you can um, like take the step back and then implement the workflows you may have established within each each department and adapt this to the, the bigger context of the whole company, of the whole organization. Yeah, and of course, no matter where it originated, honestly, guys, collaborate, know that you don't know everything. And, and it's so funny because... I don't know everything, right? And even the other day, uh, I do it all day long, Robert. And the other day somebody says, can you create this strategy? And as I'm presenting the strategy, guess what? I have questions yeah. during my presentation. Yeah. I'm like, you know, but what? how do you know this? How do you know that? And and uh, that's, I think, still a new thing for some people because it used to be, this is the answer, right? This is yeah. the right answer. And today there is so many ways to get there. There's so much different terminology and, and, um, and then some people like to do it differently. You know, it's like when, when you talk about content creation, I mean, I, I love these podcasts, you know, I do them very differently than a lot of people. I don't have a studio. We don't need a studio. Yeah. Um, sometimes I live stream them. Sometimes I don't, it's, you know, it's, there's a hundred ways to get there. Fantastic. 
great overview. Really appreciate you coming on the show. And where, where can people connect with you? Uh, certainly, we'll put the link in the show notes as well. Uh, LinkedIn or any, anywhere else? Yeah, LinkedIn is probably the best. Just search for Robert Weller and you'll probably find me. Yeah, it's just linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash Robert M. Weller, W-E-L-L-E-R. Robert, thanks for the overview. And um, hopefully people are working on creating good content experiences and, and, and stop creating stuff that's crap and annoying. And I hope so. Thanks for having time. me, Christoph. You bet. Thanks everyone for listening. Until next time. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win. Thank you.